Tonight, we are going to be talking about Red Dead Redemption 1 and Redfall getting 60 FPS patches on PS5 and Series X and S, respectively. More layoffs with Telltale Games and Team 17. A new Steam Deck is coming. Microsoft ABK deal may be closing this week. The Last of Us 2 is apparently getting a remaster. The uni CEO was retiring. And the PS5 Slim has been revealed. That and more coming up next. This is the place where console and PC gaming talk combine. The Orange Box Podcast, Episode 1, Attempt 3. <laughs> I am your host, the man who always attempts to make his dreams 1080p, 120 frames per second. Nathan, also known as the Frozen Gamer 87. And joining me is my co-host, the man who wakes up in a cold sweat anytime his dreams drop below 60 frames per second. Mr. Justin, also better known as I am Zeracon. How you doing today? I'm very good. How are you today, sir? I am doing fairly well. And as long as our recording actually functions this time, <laughs> I will be doing even better. And tonight is going to be our, technically our first episode. Really, it's our third episode because we've already tried to do two episodes the last two weeks. And... Unfortunately, both times I screwed up, so we had some serious audio issues. Uh, the first time we didn't have any audio recorded whatsoever, even though we had the entire video recorded. And the second time, only one of us had audio recorded, which was Justin. So, third time's the charm? We'll see. God willing, it will be. It will be. All right. So the first thing we're going to be doing tonight is we are going to be just doing a quick introduction um, of ourselves, giving some basic information in regards to our favorite video games and uh, various other things about us, just so you can learn a little bit about us before we get into the main topics of discussion. So the first and foremost thing is the origin of our channel names. And my co-host, Justin here, also known as I am Zeracon. Why don't you go ahead and give your origin story? Alright, so my origin story goes back to high school and in a uh, homeschool acting group that I was in. And one year we had a theme that was about creativity and we were allowed to create our own skits. My friends and I, we had a skit based about around just having a gaming session together. And during that session, uh, my character was really into the game so much that he demanded that everyone called him by his in-game character name. And they said, all right, Justin, just make up a name for your character. And I was thinking, um, I don't know, uh, I'm Zeracon. And so then one of my lines during the uh, skit was, guys, I told you, call me. I am Zeracon. And ever since then, uh, like I was just renowned as Zeracon. And they said, I was the Zeracon guy. And so that sort of stuck and that's how my uh, channel was born or the name of it. 
I still think that is a fantastic story. And yes, I've I've heard it already twice because <laughs> of our this being our third attempt at recording. Um, but yeah, that's it's so much better than mine. Mine is much more basic. Um, I was the Frozen Gamer '87. I, I, I became the Frozen Gamer because I moved to Alaska in 2003, and I was there until 2021. And so frozen because I lived in a very cold place where sometimes it would get down to 40, 50, 60 below zero and um, 87 because I was born in 1987. Simple as that. So um, there's actually other frozen gamer channels and originally I was just the frozen gamer but I changed it to frozen gamer 87 just for distinction purposes plus then I can have uh, my logo with the uh, 87 superscript very similar to the Nintendo 64 where it has the 64 as a superscript then. so anyway that's my very brief uh, origin story so top three games of all time and we are going to start with our number three favorite game work our way up we'll go, we'll go back and forth so Justin number three Number three is going to be Dark Souls 3. That is my favorite entry in not only the Soul of uh, the Dark Souls trilogy, but just with out of all the Dark Souls games that I've played. I've really enjoyed the combat, I've enjoyed um, the story, I've enjoyed the bosses and the music. That all has come together to be the definitive Dark Souls game and it's perfect uh, for myself gameplay within the Dark Souls and well, I'll leave that for that this uh, this other thing for later on, but I just really enjoyed it, and it's the best one for me so far. Yeah, I I think that's fantastic. The Dark Souls is in your top three, or well, specific Dark Souls three is in your top three. And as I, as I've told you before, I'll just mention you know briefly that my experience with the Souls games is much less. Uh, I mean, I haven't ever completed a Souls game. But um, the the ones I played, I've enjoyed. I just I fell off for for various reasons, and I'm not going to get into all that because it it'll just take up too much time. But uh, still, fantastic choice. My number three favorite game of all time is Super Metroid, and this was my introduction to the Metroid games. Um, I I was introduced to Samus through Super Smash Brothers, and which then got me interested in checking out Metroid, and then I finally got around to playing Super Metroid in 2008. And um, I fell in love. I like I enjoyed the game so much that I ended up playing through it a second time right after I finished it. Obviously, I finished it a lot faster the second time. But um, it, it was such a great introduction to the series, and it's really kind of the birth of my love of the metroidvania genre and um, even though all of I, I pretty much every one of the metroid games i've played which is the vast majority of them i've loved uh super metroid to me is is just the pinnacle of the series minus the wall jump so. um but now we'll go into our number two favorite game okay well um before i do that i just want to quickly say uh I don't know if you can see, but I got this little Super Metroid nice. shirt on. So. Very nice. <laughs> uh, but number two for me is going to be Stardew Valley. Um, 
that is a game that has just been perfect to relax with. And honestly, um, I've mentioned this before, but it's a game that I didn't really enjoy until I played it with friends in multiplayer. And then once I understood how the game works and it just clicked with me, I just spent so much time into that game that it's... As far as I can remember, um, my second most played game on Steam with about 200 and... Seven, actually, no, it probably even surpassed 300 hours. Like, that's how much like time I put into that game because I've enjoyed it so much. I mean, there's so much stuff to do in there between just, of course, the farming mechanics, but also the fishing. There's also the relationships you can build with the other villagers. You can go and explore in the mines. And, I mean, there's even an upcoming update with more content. And I'm just thinking, wow, like, this game is just so much to do and it's just so fun and has a lot of replayability, so that's why it's my number two. Very cool. Yeah, um, obviously, you know, I've already mentioned to you before, but uh, Stardew Valley is one of those games that I would love to get into because I, I'm a huge fan of the old Harvest Moon games, uh, I mean, especially the one on Super Nintendo and the N64 one, and even the, the Game Boy Color one to a great extent, but... Um, as much as I try to get into Stardew Valley, I think between the controls on Switch just not being quite as good, and also just, um, I think there was you know other games coming out at the time that I was a little more interested in. I didn't get as much into that one, but my wife really loved it. She she played it extensively and probably has uh, one or two hundred hours in there. Um, I was gonna say, oh yeah, two hundred hours. That's rookie numbers, and then <laughs> and then I thought about the fact, well, for that type of game, maybe not so much. I mean, my 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 uh, highest hour game of all is Destiny Two, and, but that's over the course of see, from twenty seventeen to twenty over over six years. And if you can't Destiny One, then that's adds more hours. But <laughs> that's a whole lot more. But it's also a much longer existing game and everything else. So, but anyway. All that aside, uh, my number two favorite game of all time is Portal 2. Uh, Portal 1 was fantastic. I love it. It's got uh, it's got great puzzles. The the using figuring out how the physics work with um, how you solve puzzles and everything is fantastic already. But Portal 2 just basically took everything that was great about Portal 1 and and increased it. I mean, you have a longer game which having a short game is not a problem, but you have a longer game with more puzzles, more complex mechanics, more mechanics in general, um, more humor, and also like not only as great as the stuff was in the original game, but even more, even better humor uh, with, with more great characters. Cause you know, the first game you basically, you just had GLaDOS and she was hilarious. And I mean, I guess you had the turrets to a degree, but uh, yeah. the second game you have GLaDOS, you have Wheatley, you have Cave Johnson. I mean, just those three characters are so incredibly funny. And then on top of that, you have a more intricate story that's not doesn't spell everything out, but it still explains things in such a way that it's like, oh, that's kind of that's pretty cool. And personally, I love it, especially how they tie it to the Half-Life series and I mean, I'm just a sucker for that kind of thing anyway. Anytime you tie game universes together, 
and yes, they're both made by Valve, but still, it's just <laughs> it's cool having all that happen. And I, I won't spoil it, but there's just a, a specific moment in the final boss fight, which if you've played the game, you probably know what I'm talking about. It's just like this this moment where you're just like, what? That worked? <laughs> and it's it's incredible, and I just can't say enough great things about this game. I, I played it in 2012, and I've it's been up there for me ever since. And I I need to go through and fend it. I probably need to just go back through and try to redo all the co-op stuff, and then try to actually get all of the achievements because I I love that game so much, and it's a crime that I've never gotten all the achievements. So anyway, that being said, our number one favorite games of all time. So Justin, take it away. Ooh. Well, uh, you know the answer, and I think that people who have uh, watched any of my content know the answer, too. That is going to be Metroid Zero Mission. Uh, and it's actually funny that you mentioned this before, because neither of us had mentioned that, is that uh, Super Smash Brothers was our first introduction to Samus. And, you know, I actually remember thinking, wait, I thought Samus was a robot, <laughs> then playing an actual Metroid game and saying, oh, wow, I am completely wrong about that. <laughs> but um, it was the reason why I picked Zero Mission is because, well, it, it is my, the first Metroid game that I played apart from a demo of Fusion at a Walmart kiosk, but it's the, the gameplay just felt so good. Um, Samus felt so fluid in her movements. She felt really acrobatic and that felt great um and even after playing super metroid years later which i still enjoy i think that's a top tier metroid game and it really has influenced not only every metroid but every game in the genre and i would even say that it influenced castlevania i mean super metroid came before castlevania but before symphony of the night which borrowed influences from amazing game. metroid <laughs> so that definitely is like the grandfather of every metroidvania game but i think that a lot of the sort of mechanics like the movements i think like i felt better having one button and then just using the directional pad to aim better than having uh both the shoulder buttons do the aiming for me for one thing um and then i guess so other stuff felt more fluid into playing it's also like switching between your different missiles and stuff like that but the one thing i will say is that it is definitely a whole lot shorter um but the only positive i would see from that is if you wanted to do a bunch of speed runs because it's so much easier to do it that way um but other than that one thing though i felt that the gameplay was just so much more refined and if they made super metroid and put it in the same engine as uh, Fusion and spe specifically more so geared towards Zero Mission, I feel like that actually would be the best Metroid game that we could ever get. I mean, when I played AM2R, I love the fact that it was made in the same style as Zero Mission and because of how much it felt like the other game. And so I feel like if you did that with Super Metroid, chef's kiss. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely, speaking of AM2R, I, I need to play that. I have it. I've had it on my computer for years and I've never played it. Ooh. But it's mostly because like I, I hadn't finished the original uh, Metroid 2 
where you know specifically uh, the the Game Boy version. Mm. And then of course they did the 3DS remake, and so then I just never went back to AM2R. But I need to do that one of these days. But going back to Zero Mission, fantastic game. I mean, definitely my second favorite, at least of the 2D Metroids, probably. Period, um, because it is super good. And I, I mean, like as much as I love Fusion as an example, I definitely mm. think that Zero Mission is is very high up there as well it's i mean well i think it's definitely better than fusion even though fusion is a great game oh yeah but the like i this is kind of going off on a tangent a little bit but <laughs> uh fusion my my one and only real gripe with it having tried to re i mean i replayed it a while ago because i have um i was one of the 3ds i was a 3ds ambassador so i got that one as a free game on 3ds so i was playing it on 3ds my one gripe is just the simple fact that when you get to a point right near the end, if you go past a certain, if you go through a certain save room, once you go past that room, you can't go back and get any collectibles. And it's not like, oh, this is immediately before fighting SAX. No, it's like there's there's enough space to where if you don't if you don't avoid this room, you're screwed. You can't go back and get any of those collectibles unless you saved before this. And oh. That frustrated me because I was not ready for SAX. So I, <laughs> I tried going back. I tried to go go fight it, and I just I couldn't do it. And I tried oh, and tried no. and tried, and I couldn't do it. And so, like, well, I guess I'm never I'm not going to finish this playthrough. And eventually, I'll go back and make sure I avoid that next time. But, I had no idea about that though. That, 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 <laughs> it it was so frustrating because like I think I had maybe 10 energy tanks or something like that and i'm i mean i like i when i when i played through fusion the first time i had to use safe states because that was the only way that i could get through that last fight and um you know as as far as i could get without it i just i wasn't just wasn't ready and you know if i could get as many energy tanks and get the maximum energy tanks and missiles and everything that probably would have been fine you know it would have still taken me a while but at least it would have been easier, and it's like no, I couldn't do it. So anyway, that that's that tangent aside. Um, yeah, Zero Mission, amazing game. Um, but my number one favorite game of all time is Chrono Trigger, and this is another one that I played. Uh, well, this one I played about twenty some odd years ago. It, I mean, the first time I played it was in two thousand or two thousand one, probably two thousand. And it has been up there for me ever since. It's just, it is one RPG that I feel like is is an excellent length. Like it's, it's got enough time to it because I think it's like the base game is twenty five to thirty hours if I remember correctly. It's been a while since I played through it from the start, um, beginning to end. Um, but it's I think it's probably the first game actually that introduced new game plus, and I could be wrong on that, but. I believe it is the first game to do that, at least um, as far as RPGs go. But I, I don't know. I'd have I'd have to look into that and see if I'm abs- if I'm actually right on that. But either way, um, it's got a fantastic soundtrack, fast, uh, great combat, great story, great uh, twists and turns. Um, I mean, it's not like a super deep story, but it's a well-told story, and it's not too long. I, I feel like every one of the side quests is actually uh, 
actually has an impact on the story. Like it's not stuff where you just feel you're just going and fetching a couple of things and that's all there is to it. You get, you know, a little bit of money out of it. No, it's like every side quest actually has an impact on on characters that you get and um, like equipment that you can get that will benefit you in getting through uh, the rest of the story. And then, of course, it also has a bunch of different endings that you can get, uh, most of which are after you complete the game for the first time. You can then you can go and uh, do different things to face the final boss at certain points and make a couple of slightly different decisions, but it's not not as dramatic as like Mass Effect or something where you have a ton of decisions that all have dramatic impacts. It's more just like this affects what kind of ending you can get. And anyway, I love it. I can't say enough good stuff about it. The only thing I will say is that as much as I love the DS version, and in many ways I think it's the best version. I think that the additional content they gave was very tacked on and was pointless because it was basically just they were trying to justify being able to sell it again, but the new content they put on was filler and it wasn't any good. It was bad. It just, it was bad content. But even with that being said, it's still such an amazing game and I think everyone should play it. Yeah. Um, now... Your most hyped upcoming game that's actually been announced. Okay, well, uh, I would say Metroid Prime 4, but considering the fact that we haven't heard anything about it uh, in over a year, and also my pre-order, uh, I got an email last week that my pre-order for the game got bumped now to 2025, so uh, yeah, it's safe to say that we don't know when it's coming. But games that I pretty certain it's going to be coming out soon is going to be uh oh goodness how can i forget the name <laughs> is going to be agent 64 spies never die and that is uh, a game that's heavily inspired by n64 games like perfect dark and of course golden eye 64 and it playing at the demo uh it really is pretty much just like playing well those games but as far as, especially with the aesthetics and just the gameplay and the feel, it really is similar to those type of games, but at the same time, it has that sort of HD polish where the textures are a lot cleaner, um, and the lighting also has been improved as well. Um, and if you are someone who is interested in the game, I know that the demo is still available on Steam, so you can go ahead and play through one of the missions, and it has like, similar to the other N64 games, they have those different tiers of difficulty where uh, you would have more requirements as what to do during that mission. So I definitely recommend giving that a shot if you're interested. Yeah, I can't remember if I've actually seen gameplay of that or not. Did you ever uh, show it on one of your videos before on your channel? I think I did. Um, I'm pretty sure I did. Then I would I would have seen it because I I feel like I've I've he at least heard of that if not seen it. But hmm. um, yeah, I I mean I I would be off. I'll probably take a look at that at least. I don't I don't know how soon I'll actually get around to playing anything related to it, but I'm sure that it'll be a pretty sweet game. And of course, unlike the original. GoldenEye, you know, it won't run at 15 frames per second or <laughs> whatever it gets down to when you have a bunch of explosions going off on the N64. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's very cool. Uh, for, for me, um, 
as we previously discussed, uh, Persona 3 Reload is the one I'm most excited about. And it's mostly because um, I enjoyed a lot of what I played of Persona 3 Portable. And I got basically up to a little before the final boss. And I was just... Unfortunately, I really been playing the game wrong because I was treating the Personas more like I would treat Pokemon where I thought, okay, you know, I can take these ones that I got early in the game and then just level them up and they'll be viable for the end game. And it's like, no, that's not how it works in Persona or Shin Megami Tensei. You have to do fusions. You have to get, you know, better, stronger uh, Persona or demons in the case of Shin Megami Tensei. So I just, I was not in a position to where I felt like I could really actually complete the game. Um, it's possible if I went back to it that I might be able to figure out how to get past that, but I have some issues with my, my Vita and everything after doing some, some software mods and I don't even know if I can still access my old save game anyway. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm just going to wait for the remake. And of course the remake looks fantastic. Um, I'm disappointed that it's not coming to Switch because I would love to play it on that OLED screen since Persona games on the OLED screen, to me, it's just like, you gotta have both. You know, Persona 4 Golden spoiled me on the Vita, and then <laughs> Persona 5 Royal, I was able to play on the Switch OLED. I'm, I'm disappointed that, that I'm not gonna be able to play it that way. However, um, I am looking forward to playing it on Steam Deck because it those games are perfect for portable play and so uh, playing it on the Steam Deck easily going to be 60 frames per second which while not necessary for that type of game since it's turn based it'll still be nice and it's going to look really good it's going to look look better than any uh, Switch versions of games so yeah um, very excited about Persona 3 Reload and it's coming out right before my birthday so it it'll be a, a great birthday present. Something that I can really dive into and fully enjoy. All right, so now um, your favorite movie and TV show. All right, uh, my favorite movie would be, if I were to cheat, say, uh, The Lord of the Rings trilogy, but since it's just one, I'm going with Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, that strangely enough that wasn't the first one that i had seen uh it was actually the tw the two towers uh but i somehow i don't remember how i saw it off order but when i went back and saw fellowship of the ring it just felt like a perfect setup for the trilogy um it, the story felt great the characters everyone who was acting as the characters they did a phenomenal job the score by howard shore was amazing and honestly the I even did, um, w I had a presentation for one of the music classes I was doing, and we had to dissect music. And I dissected some of the music from The Lord of the Rings uh, because I enjoyed it that much. But everything about the movie was just so great that I honestly just kept having to rewatch it again and again, and eventually even just buying the extended edition because I want to get more of it. Um, so I felt like it was a perfect setup for the trilogy and the other movies, they met that threshold, but I felt that the story that the first movie was telling just did a great job. And so that's why I love it so much. Yeah. Fellowship is definitely up there for me. 
I mean, I, I don't know where I would rank it in terms of, like, favorites of all time, but it's it's certainly up there because, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I saw that movie when it first came out in theaters. I mean, not like the day it came out. It was probably a month or two after it came out, but I've, I've loved it ever since then, and it's definitely one of my most quoted movies. Between that and The Two Towers, some of the, I, you know, get some of the most quotes of all. Um, especially like the, I think the thing I quote the most is, um, uh, particularly Gimli talking about the mines of Moria. <laughs> My cousin Balin will give us a royal welcome. <laughs> Roaring fires, malt beer, meat ripe off the bone, <laughs> and they call it a mine. A mine. It's not a mine. This is no mine. Tomb. It's a tomb. <laughs> Yeah, stuff like that. But no, I'm fantastic movie. Great choice. Um, my favorite movie of all time is Escape from Alcatraz. Uh, 1973, I think, is when it came out. I could be wrong about that. I can't. I'd have to look at look at the movie again, see what what year it came out. But it was in the 70s. Uh, Clint Eastwood. It's basically a uh, based on true events of. Uh, a group of men who escaped from Alcatraz prison and how they did it. And um, while technically it's been considered more of a myth because none of the stuff like officially came out in some sense, at the same time, uh, there was enough evidence to where this stuff was believed to be this is how they got out. And um, Mythbusters tested out all the different things that they supposedly did and everything worked. So it was just very, very cool. And um, it's a great suspense movie. Um, really interesting. And uh, it's a classic. I mean, it's it holds up extremely well in terms of just being a, a great movie to watch. So I highly recommend it. Now, your favorite TV show? That is going to be Batman the Animated Series. It's the first entry I've had to getting into Batman and... I didn't appreciate it as much as a kid as I did as an adult. Uh, Rewatching it when I got older, I really started to understand how great the story writing was. Um, I I even appreciated more so of the art. Because as a kid, I actually had a tendency to prefer the new adventures, or at least Batman Season 4, as it probably is referred to nowadays. and I'm mostly because I just like I thought, oh, this looks cooler. But actually, going back and looking at, it, I, I'm realizing, no, actually, there's a whole lot more in the first three seasons that I actually liked more than in season four. Um, and again, also the fact that it has sort of that timeless quality because on one end you have sort of a crime noir style, but then you also have the retro futuristic art style. And it blends together so perfectly. Um, all the voice actors did a great job, from the late Kevin Conroy to other supporting characters. Even char- other characters had special story arcs. For example, like with Two Face, from being uh, Bruce Wayne's friend to just being a criminal, which sadly got sidelined in season four, and he just was a criminal. But pretty much everyone had a great story behind them, and the music by Shirley Walker was amazing as well so i think there's just so much there that really makes it something that you could show your kids or your grandkids and there's something there that they could still find and enjoy there 
Absolutely. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, I because of how old I am, I was around when it was very first airing and I was watching it as a kid. And um, I will tell you that of the various cartoons, like the, the ones I remember best um, as far as the superhero stuff. So you had Ninja Turtles. Um, if, if you exclude the live action stuff, I'm just going to exclude live action. So Ninja Turtles, you had Batman, you had uh, X-Men, and you had Spider-Man. Of those ones, uh, Batman definitely holds up the best of all of them, by far. I mean, it is the one that really is still extremely good to this very day. Um, and then you have Spider-Man is, is still pretty good. It's not as good as Batman, but it's it's still really good. <laughs> Well-written and everything. X-Men is a little on the cheesy side, but it's, it's not bad. Um, but then, of course, Ninja Turtles, it's just extremely cheesy and over the top and <laughs> not necessarily in a good way. But at the same time, I still love it because nostalgia and everything else It's a good kids show. So there's at least that. But yeah, Batman the Animated Series is incredible. So I need to finish rewatching all of that. <laughs> and especially now that I have it all in Blu-ray. So it's, it's well worth mm-hmm. checking out. I want my kids to get into it, but. The thing is, is that like it takes a while. Sometimes I, I introduce these things to my kids when they're when they're younger, and they're just not quite getting into it. And then as they get older, it's like all of a sudden their eyes get open. They're like, "Wow, I love this!" <laughs> and so it's it's great when that happens. But it, it's some Batman is one of those things that I haven't quite been able to get them into yet. So hmm. we'll, we'll we'll give it another try one of these days. All right. Um, as far as my favorite show of all time, that is Frasier, without a doubt. Um, fantastic show, absolutely hilarious. Uh, some of the best humor, some of the best writing uh, when it comes to humor of any show. Period. And I mean, like I, I've watched a lot of stuff. You know, both stuff within the past twenty years and stuff that came before that. And um, despite what some people would say uh friends is garbage um at least at least the first five episodes were garbage they weren't funny at all i I didn't laugh once that entire those entire first five episodes and whereas fraser i laughed from the very beginning i mean there was just such great great humor and um they're actually doing a revival of of the show um with a new series coming out starting uh on October 12th, which by the time this comes out will be yesterday, but uh, I'm curious. I'm not entirely sold on it because you're, you're losing a lot of the cast that you had in the original series with the exception of obviously the, t- t- the titular character being, you know, Kelsey Grammer's Fraser Crane. Um, but at the same time, the behind the scenes thing they did before it makes me think it could be good. I'll, I'll watch and see, and if it ends up being terrible, I still have 11 seasons of Frasier that are fantastic and hold up extremely well to this very day. So, Anyway, all that being said, your favorite non-gaming hobby? My favorite non-gaming hobby, hobby would be reading, and that is for a lot of things, whether it's reading manga, reading comic books, reading... Uh, different literature novels like 
I enjoy reading as a whole. Um, something that I got into when I was really young. I remember like my mom taking me to the library and something that I still enjoy now. In fact, I've had several orders of books that have come in within the past few weeks just because I wanted more to read. Now, the real question is, which is more embarrassing, your book backlog or your or your game backlog? I will say that okay, yeah, it's definitely going to be the gaming backlog. Uh I still I do have unfinished books, but I have fewer unfinished books than I do games. Yeah, uh, as as I've told you previously, my wife is is very much in the same boat in terms of being very heavily a reader and I, I would say her, her backlog of books is nowhere near as extensive as my backlog <laughs> of games but it's also mostly because um, there's just a much wider variety of games that I've purchased throughout the years and I mean her books tend to be longer in how long it takes for her to get through them but even with that being said doesn't matter anyway <laughs> i i will say i'm not much of a reader i i was a lot when i was younger and then as i got older it's just been difficult to stay focused long enough to read and i i like being able to do more than one thing at a time so i i like audiobooks and i will do audiobooks while i play games or while i'm mowing the lawn or while i'm driving or walking or um working you know things like that so audiobooks are great and regular books are great. I'm just, I don't stick with them as long as I should. Uh, but my favorite non-gaming hobby is cooking. I started, I mean, I learned a little bit as I was a kid and kind of developed more and more as time went on, especially during my time in Alaska when, um, even when I started to actually have money that I could spend on restaurants, we didn't have any restaurants where I lived. So... Is basically like, okay, well, if I want Mexican food, I need to start learning how to make Mexican food. Or if I want Chinese food, I need to learn how to make Chinese food, or, you know, so on and so forth. Basically, the only thing that we actually did get probably maybe five years or so before I left that particular town in Alaska was we had a Thai truck. It was really good Thai mm -hmm. food. Really, really good. That's like the only thing I genuinely miss about that town. And um, other than the quiet, but that that's you know not important. So yes, cooking is is a hobby of mine, and I, I greatly enjoy it so much so that even after a long day at work, most days I'm happy to cook dinner for my family. So yeah. All right, so we got through our basic introduction stuff. All we're going to talk about right now before we go into news is what we're currently playing. So, Justin, go ahead and take us off of that. All right. So, I am currently playing Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. And actually, that's actually what I was playing right before uh, we did this recording. I finally beat this boss <laughs> nice. that I was uh, stuck on. Is that the one you were talking I, about last week? Yeah. Uh, and I now can safely say that I understand how the game works and Good. i think i'm more confident now moving forward in the game but i've also been playing uh stardew valley with some friends we've been playing some multiplayer sessions uh we didn't know where we 
<laughs> we, it had been a while since we played, so we didn't know what we were doing. Uh, but uh, we we got back into that, and I just started, and I think the video should be up by the time this goes up. But uh, I just started playing a game called Influence, which is sort of a game that teaches you a different language. Um, okay. And I started learning some German. Okay. Sprechen Sie Deutsch. I don't. I don't really know any German. That's like about the extent of what I know. Bratwurst. Perfect Nugan. I don't. Schnitzel. Sauerkraut. Ah, danke. But yeah, that's 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 all that I've been uh, playing. Cool, cool. Yeah. Um. So my my list last week was pretty extensive because I was trying out a bunch of different stuff for, uh, just recording gameplay and everything. This week, much less so. Um. Basically, this week has been two or three games. Um. So I've played a lot of Assassin's Creed Odyssey because I just kind of got back into it and. Even though I want to play other games, I'm also just at the point where, all right, I I'm ready to just push through and complete all the the story missions so that I can finally be done with the game because I started the game like four years ago, and I played off and on, sometimes for long periods of I mean you know I I play for days and weeks on end you know off and on. And then I just take a really long break. And then I finally came back to it last week when wanting to just test out some stuff on the Steam Deck. And finished out the main story. And since I had already bought the DLC some time ago, I decided that I'm going to go ahead and do all the DLC missions that I haven't done. And I'm going to just completely ignore all the random, like, bases and whatnot that I haven't completed. Like, I'm not even going to bother touching those because I spent a lot of time doing that before. That's how I got so burnt out because there's just too much in that game. Um, but yeah, like the the combat is is good. I think the combat is is fun, even if I'm not a huge fan of the RPG elements uh, hmm. for an Assassin's Creed game. I, I feel like the, I mean, the combat is enjoyable for the most part, and so that kind of helps with it. It just gets in some ways a little bit repetitive, but. Um, yeah, so I've been focusing a lot on that, and um, I got back into Red Dead Redemption 2, because I, I still haven't finished that, and um, I really want to finish that before I go back to replaying Red Dead Redemption 1, because when I originally played it on PS3, you know, Red Dead Redemption 2 didn't exist, didn't have all the story that led up to Red Dead Redemption 1, and Red Dead Redemption 2 is a prequel, so it's really I think I'm going to enjoy Red Dead Redemption 1 that much more knowing the backstory for John Marston and all the characters that he encounters because whereas if I went back into Red Dead Redemption 1 without finishing 2 I wouldn't have enough of the background to where I'd be able to be like oh that's what happened to that character and so on and so forth and it's just I, I want that connection there plus also um, I mean, Red Dead Redemption 2 is a fantastic game. And of course, it also looks and runs well on Steam Deck and on PC. And so I've kind of played a little bit of both. 
Um, I feel like there was something else I played too. I'm trying to remember what it was. Um, maybe I'll just grab my Steam Deck. Look at that for a second. Um, oh, I did play some more Box Boy and Box Girl with my son. Um, we've been working on that because it has co-op, so... We've done a little bit of that. Not as much this week as we did the previous week, but just double check. Oh, that was the other thing I played. Um, so I've been uh, Outer Wilds. That's a game that I have that I completed the story, the main story, and the DLC, both of which are absolutely fantastic. Highly recommend it. Um, but there's one achievement left that I have for it, and I want to get that achievement because it bugs me that I have that I'm just missing one. And it's uh, the particular achievement you have to ride the face of a tidal wave on a raft for 15 seconds. Um, and but the thing is, because this game has a time loop to it, this only happens once in the time loop. So if you miss it, you have to start the time loop over again in order to get another chance at it. And so I've made numerous attempts, and I've gotten close a couple times, but I still haven't quite gotten it. So I was trying to do that, and I did not succeed yet. But yeah, I think that's basically it as far as what I've been playing. All right, so any other thoughts before we start getting into the news? No, sir. All right, so the news. First of all, we got updates for two games that got a lot of backlash for not having 60 frames per second, and those games now have it. So Red Dead Redemption 1, uh, which is was released for PS4 and Nintendo Switch um, in August, now ha got a patch where the frame rate is uncapped on PlayStation 5 uh, through backwards compatibility with the PlayStation 4 version. So it now runs at 60 frames per second, which is fantastic because that's definitely a game that would benefit from the higher frame rate. Uh, it's a great game either way, but you know, there's absolutely no reason why it shouldn't have run. I mean, shouldn't at run at 60 frames on the PS5. So I'm very glad they were do that they did that, but. I think a little bit more significant is that Redfall, which is of course only on Xbox and PC, now has a 60 frames per second performance mode for both Xbox Series X and Xbox Series S. Um, Redfall is one of those games that I actually thought looked pretty fun, potentially, but then of course finding out that number one, it didn't have 60 frames. Uh, included, which wouldn't have necessarily affected me on PC, but um, that and just some of the other issues that the game had in general. I mean, it was never a game I was going to spend $70 on anyway. It was more like, okay, when it's cheap down the line, I'll try it out and, you know, when I have time for it. But uh, yeah, I'm still of the opinion that I'm going to wait until it's cheap because I have more than enough games to play without that. And it's not something that I was, like, excited about. It's more like I looked at it and it's like, oh, that looks like it could be fun. But anyway, uh, your thoughts on both of those or one of them? Oh, I, th I, I think that obviously it's a great thing. I'm obviously, you know, there's no reason why Red Dead Redemption 
should 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 have been capped up until this point you know at not being 60 fps but it's great that it's 60 fps and i think it's especially great um that redfall is six is going to reach have that 60 fps performance mode for the xbox series s considering that it's like a week run out like i think that it should have been there from the beginning for xbox series x that's some more powerful hardware that is you know considered to be the i guess the more gamer-ish hardcore version of the xbox series to get um but the fact that the series s which has been known to be one where developers make more compromises for is getting that 60 fps uh performance mode that's great it's something that again because it's one weaker hardware it's something that may not come to every game it's something i would still like to see more in the future um just because of the fact that you know i know that people say you know next generation games should be more demanding and you know show what the hardware can do but at the same time i don't want us to keep going back into a new generation saying okay it's going it it's going to be start at 60 fps then we're just going to backslide into 30 fps like midway through the generation right yeah, I mean, one of the things that I personally think is the has been the biggest detriment to games is 4K. And yes. the reason why I say that, I mean, like, if it was 4K for, like, a 2D game, um, you know, or if, it, or if it was 4K where they weren't trying to get super realistic, then it would probably be okay. But the problem is that this focus on visuals over performance is the reason why things are not moving forward. We've gotten to this stagnant point where the whole selling point of the PS5 for most people is that it has better load times because it's using a solid state drive, which solid state drives have literally existed for (laughs) decades. Now, the current form of solid state drives are certainly way better than the ones that were, that existed back in the early days of PCs. But I mean, like early PCs had solid state drives. They were just in a different form and they, they weren't, nearly as technologically advanced. Um, I can't remember exactly what it was made up of, but it was basically at a point where um, if you bumped it, if you bumped one of those just wrong, it would erase everything. So oh, gosh. Solid, solid state's come a long way since then. Now, you know, it's much, much better designed. And I mean, you know, even with the, um, the SATA SSDs that we had before we started getting the NVMe drives, uh, you know, those are dramatically improved over what we had in the past. And solid state is fantastic. Um, and the PS5's solid state drive, it's a great, great drive for for what you get. But the fact that we've gotten to this point where video games, basically, they're so focused on having realistic visuals and having 4K and everything else that they don't focus on having a better gameplay experience. Is, has just been detrimental. And we've also, it's just become stagnant in terms of game design. Like, I do enjoy some of the games that still come out. You know, like, I, I know as much people like rag on Sony for having uh, what, what people like to refer to as uh, walking simulators. And there are some of those for sure, but most of, the, most of their games, yes, third person, over the shoulder, action game with stealth elements. That's a pretty accurate description of like the vast majority of Sony games that come out nowadays, but they can still be enjoyable. Like I love God of War 2018. What I played of Ragnarok, I love. It's not a dad simulator as much as the Xbox fanboys who are unwilling to 
acknowledge that there are good games made by Sony as well. And and I'll get to PlayStation fanboys in a little bit. But, <laughs> um, it's not a dad simulator. You know, yes, you are playing as a dad. A dad who has regrets and doesn't want his son to make the same mistakes that he made. I mean, if you're a father, you understand that completely. If you're not a father, you might still be able to understand it, at least theoretically. But, um... It's just, we, we've gotten to this point where, because games are so focused on graphics, we end up with games that perform well below what they should be performing. The fact that we have more, we probably have more games running at 60 FPS just by default on the PlayStation 2 than we have on the PlayStation 5. And I could be wrong on that. I, I'm totally willing to accept that I could be wrong on that, but I think that more games at least aimed for 60 frames per second on the PS2 than they did than they do on the PS5. And yes, the PS5 has a lot of games with the performance mode where they'll at least aim for 60 if not actually maintaining it. But then you have games like Final Fantasy 16 that its performance mode is dropping into the 30s, which... Why? That's not performance. I mean, it's like you're too focused on visuals and you're not focused enough on making a game run well and play well and trying to improve the mechanics and come up with different ideas and everything else. And you'll get the occasional game that's actually unique and has something new to offer. But then you also get a whole lot of stagnation where it's just creative bankruptcy. There's there's just mm -hmm. nothing new and it just gets so boring from that standpoint. And yeah, I, I'm not going to pretend that like I don't buy any of these games because I do buy some of these games. I like some of these open world games. But then it gets to a point like where you get Assassin's Creed Odyssey as an example. Um, you know, since I'm playing that. And it's follow-up Valhalla, where the game becomes... I mean, it's a beautiful game. It looks incredible, especially on a, a good PC, but even on like the PS4 and Xbox One, it looks incredible. But it doesn't run that well. And then on top of that, it's so bloated that it just... I mean, it's like the very definition of open world fatigue. I mean, if you look up open world fatigue in like the Urban Dictionary, you're probably going to see a picture <laughs> of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Um, I mean, it's it's ridiculous how how much these games are like that. And I've been ranting about all of this. And uh, yeah. I'm going to stop right there. <laughs> well, well, I'll just add a uh, brief, I guess, little uh, note to that is that this sadly doesn't just happen on consoles. Like, we get this on PC in the form of uh, ray tracing. Like, in the fact that yes. if you want to have ray tracing, you can't do it natively and have 60 FPS unless you use uh, DLSS. Mm. Like, games you are trying to brute force it just by having better hardware and more powerful hardware rather than just trying to better optimize the games. And it's just like, why should I need to buy an RTX 4090 to play this game at 60 FPS? <laughs> with yeah. ray tracing on you you have to and dlss fake frames in order oh to make this gosh. game run well and then and then they they go and they do uh the the path ray tracing just mm -hmm. basically taking it to the next level where it's like it looks incredible but it runs at like 20 frames per second <laughs> by default unless you generate fake frames and i just 
yes, but yes, you're absolutely right. P- yeah. PC does has has issues too, and um, you know, I'll definitely have. I mean, there's definitely plenty of things to say negative about uh, more PlayStation fanboys than PlayStation itself. Even though PlayStation, we'll, we'll definitely get to more of the PlayStation itself stuff once we get to talking about the PS5 Slim models that got revealed. But that's going to be towards the end. Um. So yeah, I, I the longs uh, to TLDL, <laughs> all of that. I think it's great that Red Dead Redemption One and Redfall both got 60 FPS updates, especially since Redfall was actually promised, and Red Dead, it wasn't promised, but it's great that they did it anyway. But I wish that more games would just focus on performance over looking prettier because looking prettier we just keep end up with the same situation where we keep ending up with games only running at 30 frames per second to look nice and then they look so pretty but they run like trash they don't run anywhere near as well as they should for what's supposed to be these super powerful consoles that really are not powerful at all they just load games faster and that's it anyway enough of that Went way off on tangents just talking <laughs> about this, and I wasn't expecting to, but yeah. Obviously, it's one of those things. There's a reason why I aim for 1080p 120 frames per second. Because I'd rather have a game that looks nice without going overboard and runs well so that I can just have an enjoyable game experience. Even though um, I I can live with 30 frames per second on the weaker consoles or handhelds especially when it's a handheld form. Actually, I do want to mention real quickly, because I forgot to mention it before, one of the reasons why I decided to uh, get back into Red Dead Redemption 2 is because since I got a $50 gift card from work for winning a chili competition, I uh, decided to go ahead and use it to buy Red Dead Redemption 1 physical for Switch. So that, that'll be coming on Friday. And I'm not gonna have, I'm not gonna be able to get to it right on Friday because I'm not done with Red Dead Redemption 2. But I wanted a portable version of that game, and unfortunately, even on the Steam Deck through emulation, that game does not run well. It runs worse than 30 frames per second, uh, emulating the PS3 or 360 versions. So I'll just I'll play it on on the Switch, and if I can figure out how to safely overclock my Switch OLED, then it's possible to get 60 or close to 60 on uh, Red Dead Redemption on the Switch. Anyway, moving on. So we got news of some more layoffs for both uh, Telltale Games and Team 17. Now we'll talk about Telltale Games first. And this is specifically a bunch of people who were working on The Wolf Among Us 2. Now, did you play the first Wolf Among Us? The first one, no. I actually started getting into later Telltale games, uh, primarily around like the Batman Telltale's time uh, period. Yeah, so Wolf Among Us, um, I will say it is definitely an M-rated game in just about every sense of the word, but it's super interesting and um, definitely had some great twists in there and stuff. it's been a long time since the first season came out, or, you know, it's not, I don't know if it was called a season or not, but anyway, the second one, you know, a lot of us have looked forward to it, and of course, a while back, we had Telltale basically closed down, and they mm-hmm. kind of got revived, and 
Now, uh, I think that did they say it was just the majority or the entire staff for Wolf Among Us? It was most of the staff. That's what the, I believe the article said was like most of the staff were, uh, or at least a lot of the staff were laid off. Yeah. So the way I'm looking at this now is that game's never coming out, uh, which is disappointing. I mean, it's like, okay, it's been years since since I played the first one. I never thought we were going to get a sequel, especially, you know, years and years past. And then, of course, the whole Telltale closure before they got revived. And then they announced it, and I was kind of at a point where I was like, okay, I'll believe it when it actually happens. But now I'm just basically thinking, okay, it's never coming. It's, it's just not coming, so. It's disappointing, and it sucks for people to have to get to get fired, especially with this whole telltale situation, because it's like, okay, you know, probably a lot of these people, I and mean, some of these people may have already ha had, you know, been fired previously from telltale when it closed down. And mm -hmm. now they're getting fired again after all that. And I don't know. Uh, but team 17. So I had to actually look up the kind of games that they published. Um, have you have you looked much into their their published games? Yeah, um, like I know that the Worms franchise that was one that I know is like one of the more popular ones. Mm -hmm. However, I think a lot of the games that I um, actually more know of were the games that they published that I didn't know that published. Like for example, Blasphemous I know is one um, that's like a uh, sort of like Spanish Inquisition style two D. Uh, Dark Souls type of game, mm. uh, pixel art, and oh gosh, what was the other game? Uh, I can't remember. It wasn't. No, it wasn't Ukulele. I think it was a uh, game the, that the was similar to like that. Uh, the Impossible Lair was okay. The two D side scroller one. I did say that they published that. Okay, yeah, that's that's what it was. But so like a lot of the published games uh, were games that I didn't know that they had worked on. Um, but, but like the only one that I do know that they themselves developed that was popular is the Worms games. Like that's primarily what I know the best. Like the Worms developers, um, because of that uh, strategy, uh, those strategy games. But yeah, like it. Additionally, it's still kind of odd seeing a smaller company have to downsize. Like I don't know what specific like was causing these issues but i do know that you know seeing a company that isn't as large and because of that i at least i would imagine it's easier to maintain because you don't have all these separate i guess divisions uh and whatnot and you're able to i guess or as i would imagine you would be able to be more efficient with what you're doing but um seeing a company like that have to like have all these layoffs i mean I guess this is just another, I guess, ripple effect of how we have all of these gaming industries, gaming companies having all these layoffs. I mean, the art, the uh, article that I saw, like it mentioned all the different companies that have been laying, uh, that have had these layoffs, and it's just like, I think it's at least seven gaming companies have had layoffs so far this year, and I'm just like, wow. I mean, on one hand, you know. And I still think that, to a degree, this is applicable. Not so much as to the smaller companies, um, but especially for the larger ones, like the big AAA companies. 
I think there's just a lot of bloat there. Um, I think that having so, and I think it was even, I can't remember if it was either Sony or Microsoft who said that having, oh no, it actually my it was Square Enix who said that having these, pulling out so many huge AAA games uh, is not financially stable. It, it's not something that is, is financially stable for them. And I think that's true. Like pulling out so many AAA games and having f- f- this focus on all these big graphics and pushing these new boundaries. I think that doing that also having to constantly hire all of these um, Hollywood grade actors and just like all this stuff, I feel like there's so much stuff, especially that marketing. Marketing is one of the hugest uh, parts of the budget for game development. Like I feel like you could cut off so much of this stuff and save my and just like have more have more modest expectations. Don't go for trying to push into say quadruple A territory just like have something more manageable don't make try to be making these 100 plus story hour games um and like try to make all of these i don't know 20 solar system sized uh open world games like have something that's more manageable i mean i feel that the ps3 era ish type of games you know games sort of like you mentioned this before, uh, Assassin's Creed, Black Flag, um, games like Arkham City, games with those size, they were manageable. Right. They were, but yet they still felt large and mm-hmm. livable. Like yeah. I, I felt those were perfect size games. Like so having something like that, you can flesh out those games. You can have more content in them. You could probably even you know increase stuff like sort of physics and like go into actual buildings. You can do so much more of that if you just don't your expectations so high again this doesn't apply to smaller companies like team 17 or even telltale but the other companies the large ones i think there's no reason to not do this right no i i absolutely agree and um you know it's it one of those things that i i kind of got reminded of you know with obviously you know we we're talking earlier about just this focus on on 4k and everything and one of the things i didn't mention which is certainly a big problem and is part of the reason we're seeing so many layoffs is just the reality that because they're so focused on these visuals the the cost of these games is ridiculous and that's the reason why we have 70 dollars games now and why some people are like oh well i'd be willing to spend 80 dollars and, you know, a lot of people will point out, oh, well, they did this in the Super Nintendo era. Well, the Super Nintendo era, they did it with certain games because the size of the cartridge, or, you know, like the, the chips and everything they had to use for the game was more expensive. So the cartridge is more expensive to produce. Therefore, they had to charge more for it. Um, and nowadays, it's just because they, they make the budgets of these games so enormous because they're so focused on making it look as realistic as possible and making it long and padded and everything else that it ends up just being a situation where you have these huge games they can't meet up uh, they they can't meet expectations in terms of sales so then they end up laying people off and then you keep just having the same cycle repeat itself over and over whereas when you focus on quality over visuals you have the opportunity to put something out there that's really great 
without having to sacrifice so much um, in the long term. Of course, the problem is that it's kind of a catch-22 situation. You, If you don't put out something that's visually realistic and incredible-looking 4K, so on and so forth, people aren't going to buy them as much because they want those kinds of games. But at the same time, because you make these games, they end up being too expensive, and then if you don't sell as much as you want to sell, or you don't sell as much as you need to sell, then you end up having to lay off people, close down studios, all this other stuff. So it's just... I, I appreciate it when, when studios will actually make the effort to put out smaller games that can still potentially hit. Because at least if they're not spending quite as much money, it's not necessarily going to hurt them as much if they're not selling 5, 10 million, whatever. Even I mean, you know, a lot of studios, most studios... They sell a million copies of something. They're ecstatic. But because of the way these AAA budgets are so stinking high, they if they're not selling 3, 4, 5, 10 million, then they're, they're not happy with their sales numbers and they're laying people off and they're closing down studios. And, uh, I mean, you know, going back to Team 17, you know, like looking at some of their games, like the Overcooked, Oh, Personally, yeah, yeah. Those, those kinds of games, like, that that would stress me out. <laughs> I mean, it's one of the reasons why I, I don't ever want to go into, like, doing an actual restaurant in real life or anything else is because having to cook food, like, that fast and everything else, it may not be as, as crazy as overcooked, but, you know, it's like it's a really high-stress situation. It would take uh, something that I love to do, cooking and make it stressful and not enjoyable anymore. And, um, but yeah, so, you know, you, you put out these smaller games like Overcooked. There's one of them that I was reminded of, uh, a game called Timesia. And Oh, yes. I oh, saw gosh. that one. I, I was like, I that one they looks did that. really cool. Um, but of course, because I have yet to actually finish the Souls game, I haven't even tried this one because I'm not buying more Souls games until I at least finish <laughs> one of the ones that I bought, even if there's only two of them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just like they, they have plenty of smaller games. Obviously, the Worms games, like you, you mentioned, which I've, I've never played and I'm doesn't really look like my kind of thing. Blasphemous. And, but apart from the so I like I love the way it looks. I think it, mm. visually, I love, I love it. I'm not sure about. Uh, okay, so I'll have to ask you. Did you actually <laughs> play these games? Yeah. Like which ones, or Blasphemous like almost one or two? Uh, I haven't played either of them. Okay, so I I will say that the simple the art gives me pause because, and then of course the title of it being blasphemous mm. makes me wonder if it actually gets blasphemous, and then I would just be mad at the game. Uh, which is, and you know not because of how difficult it is. So mm. I uh. As much as I love the way it looks, I, I'm i not going to play these games. But anyway, yeah, so I don't know. It's it's hard to see this kind of stuff happening. See lots of these studios closing down. And I just feel like we're, we've got to be headed towards another video game crash at some point. I mean, it's hard to say for sure yeah. whether or not it'll happen because the last one was like 40 years ago. So I don't know, but... In some ways, I think it would be beneficial if it just happened mm -hmm. and kind of had to 
go backwards, but I don't know how it ever will happen because we're just in such a weird spot now compared to where we were, you know, 40 years ago when all when the last video game crash happened. So, I don't know. Uh, I will quickly say, though, that uh, Dimetia is the closest we'll probably get, at least for a long time, uh, to having Bloodborne in PC. Yeah, who knows? Maybe we'll see it next year. Of course, we'll probably be saying that every year. <laughs> I mean, at least at least we're getting a pretty decent set of PlayStation games coming over. I mean, this year we've already gotten... Mm-hmm. I mean, ignoring The Last of Us Part 1, which I think actually is fixed now. But, I mean, you had Returnal come out this year. You had Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart come out this year. You had... Um, Didn't Miles Morales come out this year? I uh, know that was last year. Okay. Uh, Uncharted Legacy of Thieves Collection. Hmm. I'm pretty sure that was this year. Um, you had... What was the other... Maybe... I guess maybe Ratchet was the last one. Oh, oh, and then Horizon Zero or Horizon Forbidden West is announced for early next year, or sometime next year, probably early next year. And um, we know Ghost of Tsushima will be coming at some point because it's in the Nvidia <laughs> leak. And I'm not sure what else, but yeah. Anyway, got off topic there. So, um, but speaking of smaller types of developers slash publishers uh the unity ceo has apparently well not apparently has retired um following the backlash regarding the uh, monetization changes where they're trying to charge people a bunch of money or charge developers a bunch of money for every time someone on the user side of things would install uh, a game made with unity and uh, we're not going to get into all that. People have covered this topic to death, but uh, this guy, quote-unquote, retiring, or probably getting canned, um, I say good riddance. <laughs> Especially because um, I didn't realize this beforehand, but this guy also had previously been CEO at EA a couple of times, and he he's the guy who was who brought up the idea of if people like ran out of gas in one of the racing games, purchasing some more with microtransactions. And, um, yeah. So, so one thing I will note with like EA, there was a time period like, I mean, not surprisingly, while this guy was not there, because he was there for a while, and then he left in, I think, like, 2007, and then came back in 2014. Between 2007 and 2014, there were some really good single-player games in there. I mean, like, a a nice variety of different types of single-player games. And then he comes back and back to business. And then he he left. I don't remember when it was he left. Um, I, I... I know I, I saw the figures on this earlier, and I, I think it was... I, oh, no, it's Alex covering some of this stuff previously, but... Um, basically, you know, every time he is involved, there's always, like, some really gross monetization involved. And um, unfortunately, for Unity's sake, I think it's too little too late. <laughs> 
you know, they can fire this guy. And it might help some, but they, the damage is already done. And I don't know that this is really necessarily going to make the difference. Um, unless they just... Well, even even if they say, you know, this this was this guy's decision. I mean, you know, this was this guy's recommendation. And now that he's gone, we're not doing this. I mean, how can we know whether or not we... I mean, how can developers know whether or not they'll trust them? It's like... Uh, like I was saying when we were talking previously... They've already showed their hand, and they can't take it back now. Everybody knows what their future plans are, and even if they decide that they're actually not going to go through with any of those future plans, there's no way to know for sure because they've already seen this is what we had in mind to do to you. Uh, I don't know. Your thoughts? Uh, you, you, you did a great job uh, sort of summarizing everything that I would have said. Like, I, I definitely the developers really can't trust them um like uh, you know uh fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me that's the situation that they have there again and as we mentioned before you know some developers might not have a choice uh say between if they want to they might have to use unity as, as opposed to say like using unreal engine because it's more expensive they might think well, I'd rather not because Unity could still come back and implement this uh, idea sometime later down the line, but I can't afford to use Unreal Engine. Uh, that could be a situation for some people. And even still, like I don't think that the article said too much about the new uh, CEO, or at least the interim CEO. Mm -hmm. So I don't know about his history as much as I know right. the previous CEO. So... I don't know what his mentality is, um, and additionally, I don't know, even even without that, I think one of the things is, I think it was either last year or the year before, was when Unity went public, um, and if that's the case, they're going to be more so concerned about, you know, their shareholders than actual gamers, um, which is... You know what sort of led us to this point is the fact that you know thinking how can we get in more revenue let's charge the developers for every single download <laughs> like that's right. yeah so that's like another reason why i would say i can't necessarily developers wouldn't necessarily think we can we even trust you mm -hmm. yeah and one of the things that i i found out about that i didn't realize with unity is that uh, I mean, I can't remember what all Unity is used for. I mean, it's, a lot of it's smaller games, but there there are some bigger games like Genshin yeah. Impact, the Unity game. And you think about how huge that game is and how much money they'd be making off of that. Not that, you know, it would necessarily harm the developers in any way because they make <laughs> a buttload of money. But, you know, the amount of people installing, uninstalling, reinstalling that game you know, people who get into these very addictive MMO-type games and then they try to stop playing for a while and then they decide to reinstall it and play it some more and so on and so forth. But, yeah. Good riddance to this guy leaving. Um, <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen with Unity. Just something we're going to have to wait and see going forward. Yep. But I hope that regardless of what happens, that it does... I mean, that any... Anyone who is involved with Unity who was not on board with this decision has already made the decision to move on. 
and find employment elsewhere because this is a sinking ship and you need to get off while you still can. Um, but speaking of terrible CEOs and how they uh, lead to different things, uh, that's not really a good way of putting it, but uh, the Microsoft Activision Blizzard deal is apparently closing this week. The, the scuttlebutt at the moment is that Friday, so by the time this podcast comes out, um, it is theoretically going to be closed. So this long, dramatic situation where you had terrible CEO doing terrible things to people and then Microsoft decides to buy them when they decide they want to go on sale. Um, I don't even know what to think about this anymore. I've kind of expressed my thoughts previously that I'm... I'm mixed on how good of a thing this is, but at the same time, I also think of the people who could buy Microsoft, I, or I'm sorry, buy Activision Blizzard, I almost am more comfortable with the idea of it being Microsoft than like Amazon or Google um, or even Apple to some extent. But I don't know. It's one of those things. We're just going to have to wait and see what actually happens with all this and... Any thoughts you have on this matter? Yeah, I mean, we definitely talked about it quite a bit the past few weeks, but um, I, I think I'm really just want this thing to end. Um, it's just something that's been dragged out, and you know, we already said before, FTC is going to try fighting this. Like, just let it go. I mean, it's we've gone on long enough with this thing. Right. I, I just want this to be done. Like, I. Similar to you, you know, I don't like the idea of Activision being purchased, but at the same time, you know, it's better than if it was, you know, Google or Amazon. And like, I've, I think even Netflix at one point might have been eyeing it, but <laughs> just like, it's, it's, it is what it is. I don't like it, you know, get rid of Bobby though, just please get rid of him. Uh, hopefully, other things, decisions that you know activision has done particularly with like microtransaction stuff you know microsoft will try to get them say hey tone this down some and then maybe i'll be more interested in getting back into activision games but for right but like i'm just i just want this like go go through be done no more fuss no more just 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 i, I just want this to be like done with like i'm just tired with it at this point absolutely yeah, we'll see how everything goes. Um, let's just go ahead and move on here. So kind of going backwards on our list, but uh, there is apparently a new Steam Deck coming, but it's not what people were thinking that it might be. It's not a hardware revision in being like a Steam Deck 2, that sort of thing. Uh, from everything we can find, the what is... Apparently, code, I mean, the codename Deckard, I believe, is what this is supposed to be, but I, I could be misunderstanding on that part. Um, basically, this is just a Steam Deck that has improved Wi-Fi and improved Bluetooth. That's all it is. So, otherwise, it's basically the same hardware as previously, so it's basically like a soft revision that's going to be taking place behind the scenes, and 
we'll probably just ultimately replace the base models. Um, but yeah. Um, I guess my thoughts on the matter are plain and simple that if you don't already have a Steam Deck, this is great, you know, get better Wi-Fi, that means better download speeds, because download speeds on the Steam Deck can be pretty bad at times. Um, better Bluetooth can just improve, uh, re reduce latency for, for for listening to, or for you know, for headphones and that sort of thing, but I don't know, your thoughts? Yeah, um, definitely... I'm definitely not thinking too much or even expecting too much from this. And it would be great if you mentioned that it is just something that can just silently replace, you know, how uh, all the current, you know, Steam decks that Valve is selling. Once those models are completely gone, just replace it, swap those out with uh, the new version and they call it a day. It's great. It's This is great if you don't have one already. Um, I, 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 if, if it, if, if it is just, you know, better wi-fi because i don't really use the bluetooth but if it did have better wi-fi if it had something else besides the better wi-fi i would probably have a slight i mean i would stop myself i would say maybe i might do that but it's it's just like no i mean the wi-fi would benefit me because as you mentioned the download speeds can be bad like i've had to wait like maybe 15 minutes for a game to download on my deck um depending on what it is but um it would be nice. Uh, one thing, though, because they said the performance wouldn't matter, but something that I think the video also mentioned was like you know maybe better like cooling. So I was thinking, or at least hoping, this would be something that would get me intrigued. As if it somehow improved the efficiency of the battery, mm. that's something on my that would be on like my theoretical wish list to have. Right. I know what I know that you would have a theoretical wish list of having an OLED screen. <laughs> But, but yeah. Yeah, so for me, it would be uh, definitely the OLED screen would be the, the number one thing. Um, and then the number two thing would probably be having more options in terms of colors. Um, hmm. Even though at some point, I'll probably just replace the shell on mine. Because I, I really want that atomic purple. That shell, <laughs> like the, the old school Game Boy Color. Because like so many people who grew up in the 90s and were, you know... Those were like our formative years. Uh, that is very much something that it's just like it's super cool. I still love it. I, ha I have I have a game. Well, I had to repurchase a Game Boy Color um, a number of years ago, but I do have the Atomic Purple one, and I, I just love it. And I love my N sixty four controller that's like that as well. But yeah, so yeah i mean this is def like i'm not in any way interested in buying this it, it would be hard for me to want to buy a new steam deck anytime soon even if they released a new one tomorrow and it was more powerful i probably wouldn't because i don't need it mm -hmm. and i've i've gotten to a point where i already have enough devices collecting dust because it's just it's just how how it goes with consoles you know and i mean yes the steam deck's not a console it's a pc but um like I'm even hesitant about buying a Switch 2 right now because I have more than enough games to play on my current Switch and my 3DS and my Vita and my actual like consoles that are tied to the wall, you know, to where it's like I 
But anyway. So yeah, just a minor Steam Deck upgrade. I'm I'm glad about that though, because then I'm not tempted at all to, mm. to get something new. Because it's like, okay, yeah, the download speeds are not great sometimes, but it's really not that bad. And considering that I've also done it at my in-laws place where the Wi-Fi is much, much worse, much, much slower than what I have at home. Really not that bad at home, even at its worst compared to what it is at their place. All that being said, now we're going to get into the PlayStation topics. And I said place I, I said that the PlayStation fanboys were not gonna get away with it. And we're not going to I'm not necessarily gonna rail on you too much because I'll leave that to better men I mean men who are better at doing it, like oh no, it's Alex, Griffin Gaming, Joe from Seattle, and uh Crab Crab named Heller, I think is is the name of the channel. Um Anyway, there, there's there's a bunch of uh, great channels that already do plenty of roasting of fanboys, and I'll just leave it to them to do their stuff. But there's a couple of PlayStation announcements. Well, one of them is an actual announcement. The other one is uh, more of a leak, I guess you could say. So we're going to start off with the leak. Um, the Last of Us 2 is getting a remaster. And there's really no reason to doubt that this is actually happening. I can't remember uh, all the stuff, we how we found out about this, but it's pretty much... Uh, I mean, without being officially confirmed, it's basically unofficially confirmed. And so we have no idea what, if anything, this will include that's extra from the version that was released on PS4 in 2020. Um, all we really know is that it will be on PlayStation 5 and probably PC at the same time. Most likely. Uh, very, very likely. But... Before I get into all the stuff I have to say about the situation, I want to hear what you have to say. Um, I think uh, to sum it up, the que- uh, the one word would be why. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, the game just came out last generation. Um, and, you know, people were saying about how great of a game it looked. Like, I don't think it's a game that needed to be remastered Uh, i think there are more games that you could either remaster or remake i mean you could take you you went to this before infamous you could remaster infamous for the ps5 you could take other like was it it wasn't um was it Sly Cooper that Naughty Dog? Was that them, or was or I think of a different? Uh, no, game? Um, Sly Cooper was uh, Sucker Punch. Okay, Sucker Punch, but Naughty Dog did okay. Jack and Daxter. Okay, Jack and da- Jack and Daxter. They could bring. They could remaster Jack and Daxter. They could do so. Yeah, because they uh, Sony brought back Ratchet and Clank. They could like Jack and Daxter. That's another series that was right alongside. Ratchet and Clank like people would love to have that brought back or remastered so like you could do that but you chose The Last of Us Part 2 and that just doesn't make sense uh one thing that I do remember from uh, hearing from Spawn Wave is saying that he thinks the game could be $70 I don't think Sony is going to do that um 
I think at most it will be sixty dollars. Uh, I mean, I don't think that, that Sony's crazy enough. I don't think they're crazy enough to like do that. Uh, I think they probably tried to make the excuse for the first for a uh, part one by saying, "Well, it's from PS3. You know, we're gonna. It's a PS3 game. We're doing much more for it to make it look better." But you don't have that same excuse here. It's a game that came out last generation. I I. I at most, it should be $50, but I think it might be just $60. Alright, well, I, if you want to bet on that, and I'm not a betting man, but <laughs> I, would, I would bet that it's going to be $70. And it's mostly because they know that there are people who will just buy it. And, you know, it's one thing when it's a person who doesn't already have the game, has never played it, that sort of thing. I still don't think they should buy it because they could get the PS4 version and they'd already have 1440p 60 frames per second. <laughs> and, and, and most likely this version will... I don't know how they can make it any prettier because it's already a beautiful game. Like, it is legitimately one of the best looking games. One of the most realistic looking games that exists. Um, even if I absolutely hate what they do with the story. but And I'm sure gameplay-wise it's great Everything I've heard, because I haven't played this, I'm going to be very clear, I haven't played this. Everything I've heard is that the gameplay is a significant improvement over the original version, I mean the original Last of Us, and the remaster on PS4, which basically just bumped up the frame rate and made it a little prettier. Um, and even gameplay-wise, it's better than the quote-unquote remake of The Last of Us Part 1 um, that they did for PS5 last year. But this is a pointless remaster, except to milk people for more money. This is all it is, and I, I, I firmly believe that they're just going to charge seventy dollars for it, straight up. Um, theoretically, they could add in some content, but I have a feeling that more likely than not, it's going to be the exact same game. They might slap on director's cut and add like some commentary or something that you can get once you've beaten the game. Um, maybe, I, I don't know what additional accessibility options they could have because I was going to say accessibility options, but they already made it so you can play it as a blind person, which I oh, think is yeah. really cool. I think it's great that they did all the stuff they did from that standpoint, but um, yeah, I, I think they're probably going to charge $70 for this and um, then it'll be 60 on PC, most likely. Unless I actually decide to get away with 70, but it kind of depends on who ports the game to. Um, yeah, I, I mean, like, I haven't seen much of anyone defending this. I have seen at least one person who was defending it uh, through some of the salt videos I watched uh, earlier today, and um, I will just say that person's a moron. <laughs> I'm just gonna say it. They're they're dumb. Uh, com comparing it to the Mar Mario Kart 8 versus Mario Kart 8 Deluxe uh, thing. I I don't want to get into all that. I'll, I'll I'll just leave it to the experts on the on the salt stuff. But um, I know that there are situations where we will get remasters of games that came out on the previous generation. And sometimes 
it's understandable why they do a remaster, why they bring it up to the new console, because there's no backwards compatibility. Like, for example, with when they went from The Last of Us, which came out in 2013 on PS3, and then they did The Last of Us Remastered, I believe, early 2014, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and they, I'm pretty sure, actually, I think it was cheaper. I could be wrong on that. I'm not positive. I know by the time I got it, it was 20 bucks, but that was like a year and a half after the remaster came out, and I didn't play it on PS3. Um, so, like, that situation, it was understandable, because it, a PS3 game wasn't going to run on a PS4 because of the cell architecture of the PS3, all that. Um, or rather, the cell processor that just was a nightmare to try and port up. But they, they made it work really well on the PS4. It was 60 frames per second, and that was great. I thought it was a good game. Even if it's not a game I'd probably play again because it's just my personal tastes. Um, but then they did the, the remake of Last of Us 1, in which, yes, they did... Well, I mean, I, I, I think it's basically a remake in the same sense that Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition was a remake of Xenoblade where they basically they updated a few things graphically and it definitely looks better than the previous version but it's not like a ground up remake as much as they might try to claim it especially based on mm. some of the issues the game still has from what people have said but once again I didn't play this version but The Last of Us Part 2 came out well it, it will I mean it was basically three years ago still plays really well in terms of its gameplay um on the ps ps5 it already has 60 frames per second at 1440p i think basically the extent of what they could potentially do is maybe bump it up to a checkerboard 4k at four at at 60 frames and that's probably what they'll probably try to sell it on it's possible they'll do more to it than that we'll have to wait and see what actually happens with it but I think the main reason they're really doing this is because Last of Us Season 2 is going to be coming out on HBO, mm. and so they want to have it ready for that so that people can play that beforehand, and because they they probably figure that a lot of people would rather have that PS5 box than just play the PS4 version of the game. Even though it would definitely save them money because you could probably get The Last of Us Part 2 for like 20 bucks now. Versus uh, get the PS4 version for like twenty bucks. Whereas if they you know charge seventy dollars or even fifty or sixty dollars, they're going to be getting more money out of it. I I still firmly believe they're going to charge seventy. But I don't know. I mean, we, we'll see what kind of official details we get, and we'll we'll talk about it again whenever we get the official details. But I think that seventy dollars is probably going to happen, and. Thankfully, I know enough people who are PlayStation fans and really love The Last of Us Part 2, but they will not be buying a remaster because there's no reason. And then other people will definitely be buying it because it's the greatest game ever, apparently. <laughs> All right. Any other thoughts before we move into our final topic for the night? Um, no, I think I'm good. All right. 
The PlayStation 5 Slim has had its models officially revealed. This was actually leaked a while ago, and we saw some pictures, um, at least of portions of it, and the leaks were definitely real, as we've now seen the official models. And I will say offhand, before we get into anything else, I personally like the way it looks. I think it looks neat. I liked the look of the original PS5 as well. Um, of course, the best thing about the original PS5 is the uh, Kaiba meme, where, where they, <laughs> because you know Kaiba's popped collar from Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, I that was the best thing, and then uh, taking the Dual Sense and making it look like Strong Mad from from Strong Bad. And I actually I have a Dual Sense, even though I don't have a PS5. I have a Dual Sense, and I use it for my PlayStation games and a couple other here and there. Um, but yeah all right before i get into my thoughts i definitely want to hear what you have to say um yeah i mean it's it definitely is better aesthetically lo looking than the original one um i think though after you did the math of some things and also another thing is the fact that uh it is going to have more storage space than the original PS5, which, you know, especially for a di the digital version, you know, that kind of, that, that was kind of, you know, kind of stunk uh, to have less space, especially since, you know, in this day and age, as games are larger, you need more storage. But I think the number one thing I actually liked was the fact that the digital version does have the option uh, to get uh, a disk drive, so that way you can actually play physical discs. So, while I, th I think you actually might go into more of this because you did share a little a few things, so I'm actually going to save that uh, discussion on your end, but I do actually at least like the fact that you have that option because, say, for example, you, I don't know, for some reason had a digital version, then say, oh, I don't know, you lost uh, ownership of your digital games or, say, you years down the line you want to play you know ps5 games but you know they don't sell the ps5 games aren't sold digitally anymore you can go ahead and purchase the physical games and play them that way so i think that's great i think that in some sense it kind of brings back ownership even if you know some games you might need to have batches to actually play the games i still like that you can still do that so that part i like um but for the negative side, I think I'll leave that part to you. So go ahead. All right. So I'm going to start off because I didn't mention this earlier. So regarding the price points. So the disc version of the PS5 Slim is going to be $499, just like the base model of the PS5 with the disc. The digital version is going to be $449. So the price has gone up by $50. Um, and then we get into the real scummy parts of this. So, okay, I will say by default, first of all, this is the very first time. And I, I, I researched all of this, found as best as much as I could as far as records go of the actual launch prices for each version of PlayStation, including the handhelds. Um, that's not counting the PS4 Pro because it's a more premium model, so obviously it's going to be more expensive. Uh, 
by looking at all of them, PlayStation consoles and handhelds, every time a slim version, whether it's a second revision or a third revision, came out, it was always cheaper than the previous version. Now, you might be thinking, oh, well, the PS5 disc version, uh, the slim, PS5 slim with the disc is the same price as the PS5 with the disc uh, that's the non-slim version. But that's where you're wrong, because it turns out that they are no longer including the stand with it. So if you want to be able to stand your PS5 upright, or even just put it horizontal to where it's going to be more stable, it's an extra $30. So by default, this in and of itself, you're paying an extra $30, ends up being $530, and of course that's before tax. Uh, shipping, depending on where you're getting it from, that sort of thing. And, of course, if you're, you know, depending on where you're buying it, it's potentially even more expensive than that. But that's more just dependent on rarity and where you live and that sort of thing. So that may not seem like, okay, that's a huge deal, but it is, it's like, okay, well, it is a price increase for the Slim model, which has never happened before this. But then you get into... The digital version, which is even worse, because the digital version, if you get, I mean, of course, like the uh, the, the one with the disk drive, does not include the stand, so you're spending an extra $30. So you already have the $50 increase. And yes, this does have slightly more storage. This has about 200 gigs of extra storage for each uh, version of the system, which is is good, but considering some games are ballooning to be 100 or more gigs for just that one game, it's not necessarily going to make a drastic difference. And the reality is 200 gigabytes for when you have games as big as they are nowadays, it's really very little. I mean, it's an increase, but it's not enough of an increase. And I'll get a little more into that as we go on, but um, with this uh, digital version. If you decide that you also want to buy a disc add-on to it, well, I do think it's really cool that they have the option and the way they have it set up is pretty neat because it actually just attaches and it's not just like an external USB thing that sits on the side. It's $80 for that Blu-ray drive to add it on. So in total, if you buy, if you just, if you bought the digital version, and then decided, I mean, wanted to stand with it, you're spending $480. If you decide down the line that you want a disk drive to go with it as well, or even if you just decide that you, you want to do this in general because you want to keep it digital most of the time and then just occasionally use the disk because you don't like the way the disk thing looks, whatever, you're spending $560 for this version of it. And of course, that's before taxes, before anything else. So... The price has gone up quite a bit. And as and and while I definitely could see how people would say, oh well, I mean, but it's it is getting more storage, so it's it's fine. You know, it's a slimmer <laughs> version, it's nice. But the thing is, is that number one, these slim versions of the consoles, whenever they come out, they're always cheaper. Um, with the so the the original PlayStation came out at $299. The smaller version labeled the PS1 which came out quite a few years later. I mean, it was like, uh, I think, five years in the U.S. Um, 
was only $99. I mean, it was it was a pretty big gap, so it was understandable that the price had dropped so much more. But you know, it's a smaller model. It's technically more efficient, all that. It's cheaper though, cheaper to produce, and so they sold it for cheaper. The PS2, same thing. Started at $299. When they released the Slim, it was $199. That's actually the one that I have. It's the PS2 Slim. Um, and I have the original PS1. PSP was $249 at launch. Then the PS, the second and third models of the PSP, I actually forgot to write down the PSP Go, but both the second and third models of the PSP were down to 199 but they also came with a game, a uh, UMD movie, or I think one of them was a UMD TV show and the other one was a UMD movie, and then one of them came with uh, an additional memory stick, which was their proprietary memory card. For a hundred bucks, or for fifty bucks cheaper, <coughs> throat's getting dried out. Um, give me just one second here. Mm. All right, and then of course you had the PS3, which had the more disastrous launch because of how much they charged for it. But that was four hundred ninety-nine dollars. For the 20 gigabyte version, $599 for the 65 gigabyte version of the PS3. Then when they released the revision, the Slim, it was $299 for the... Uh, I can't remember the... the. I forgot to write down the, the exact specs, but it was like, I think it was like 160 gigs for the $299 version. And... Uh, $320 for the uh, 320 gigabyte version. Maybe that's right. I don't know if that's right. Anyway, the point is is that, you know, $299, $320 were the slim prices. Or one one having, obviously, larger storage. So you got more storage than you had for the starter one. And it was slimmer. It was cheaper to produce. And so they charged less for it. By quite a lot, too. In fact, then you get the PS3 Super Slim, which had two models as well, $270, $300. So still ch cheaper still, came with more storage in each of those as well. Then we're talking the Vita. We started off with $300 for the 3G slash Wi-Fi model, uh, best known as the OLED, the fat Vita, which is what I have. 249 for just the Wi-Fi model, also an OLED. <clears throat> then they did the revision with just the LCD screen, one gigabyte of onboard storage, which previously had no storage internally, and that was dropped down to $200. Then you have the PS4, which which originally launched at $399 with a 500 gigabyte hard drive. The PS4 Slim, I forgot to write down the storage space it has, but I believe it's one terabyte. I'm not mistaken. Um, and that was $100 cheaper at $299. And then we get to the PS5. $399 for digital. $499 for the disc version. And then the Slims, which do have upgraded storage by about 200 gigs of usable space for both of them. Goes up to... Um, starts at $449 for the digital version going up to 560 if you decide to get both the stand, which is more or less needed, and the, di the disc drive, which is optional. 
up to $560 or 499 starting for the PS5 Slim that has the disk drive and goes up to 529 if you get the optional, the technically optional but really not optional stand for it. So, all that explanation. If you buy the PS5 Slim, you're getting ripped off. And this is the first time Sony's done it, and I think that honestly, it's because they're arrogant and they know they can get away with it. For the most part. Now, I, from having talked to a lot of people who are big fans of PS5, they probably won't be getting this upgrade or well, this upgrade <laughs> because they don't see a reason to. Um, but I just, I, I know the economy is not in great, a great point, a great, uh, state at this point but it is cheaper to produce than it was before there's no reason for them to be charging extra except that they want to nickel and dime you and of course the simple fact that they're taking out the stand which is basically not even an optional thing it's something you really do need if you want your ps5 to stay in better condition long term it's like they they, they tried to make it seem like oh well it's 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 not actually more expensive for this version, but that, but it really is. I mean, you know, no matter what, unless you actually decide to skip the stand, because you can't just use the stand that you have for your original PS5. It's not going to work. It's not the same size, and so it's not going to work. And so if you want the stand, if you want to be able to stand up your PS5, whether you're putting vertical or you're keeping it horizontal, um, you need to have some kind of stand. And so you have to pay this extra money no matter what. I don't know. All right, I've said enough. Justin. Yeah, I was just waiting because I, I saw all the numbers that you had crunched and, and just, like, going through everything, and I'm just like, wow, like, you took a lot of time into that. I really respect you for doing that. But it definitely is. Because, I mean, like, when I first saw that, I was like, Hey, that's pretty nice. You know, it's nice to have that. But then when you actually did that comparison and went over the prices and how much that changed, I thought, wow, that actually Sony really tried to blind us. And I do acknowledge the fact that Microsoft has increased the price of the Xbox Series consoles in, I think... If not Japan, if not just Japan, like certain Asian countries, they've increased the prices there. And so I do acknowledge that what Microsoft doing there is pretty scummy. And especially the fact that it, it's the same model, like it's not even a different model. It's literally the same thing. It's, they're just raising the prices and they could do that at any point, you know, over in Western countries as well. But at the same time, though, that doesn't excuse the fact that Sony is charging more for the same thing. Well, in a even in a sense, less <laughs> to get because you're whether even you're getting just the um, the disc version that doesn't have the stand for it either. So you still have to pay for that as well. So there's really no justification because things should be getting cheaper as time goes on. I mean. This past generation doesn't count, but with GPU prices, they go down, 
as time goes on. Consoles have gone down. Like, I don't remember... Like, I bought, um... I bought my 3DS when it was discounted. My first 3DS when it was discounted. I don't remember what the price was for it, but I got it for, I think the discounted price was $180. $180. Like, the GameCube. I... When I got that, that was discounted uh, down to $100. These things go- should be going down over time. It's been, what, three, four years since the PS5 and Xbox uh, came out. Almost three those years. prices, Those prices should be starting to go down. I mean, because things have gotten better than, like, right during the... Uh, right in the middle of the pandemic especially well not necessarily with the pandemic but just because of uh scarcity mm-hmm. gpu prices while they still are overpriced we have seen the prices of gpus go down um and so the console should be going through the same thing like i think this is just another thing that and sadly in this case it's going to be bad because this is actually hitting hardware and not just the games. A crash, a, 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 a video, another video game crash might be something that could fix this. I don't know, but especially since this is hardware, not necessarily with games where, yeah, if games, if a video game, if video games themselves crash, we have indie games that could start to take over. We have double A games that can start sort of like to... Uh, pick up the pieces because you now they can make games that are that that are decent as far as visual quality, but are still great with performance in that level. But with the hardware, especially for consoles, if that crashes, like be, uh, partially as a result to these increased prices, um, when they should be going down, ugh, I, I I don't know what would happen there. But that's just what I think. Right. Yeah, and I had I'd forgotten about Xbox increasing their prices as well for the same model in, in some countries. And yeah, it's just, and I know that the I know that Sony and Microsoft aren't even the first ones who've done it. You know, other other companies have done that. Like I remember it was I think it was uh, was it was it uh, Meta? You know, doing it for the. Uh, what, what, what's their VR headset called again? The Oculus. Oculus, yes. That's right, yes. Um, I can't remember if it was them or if it was some other company, but it was, it was some VR headset that they decided to increase the price of of the model that was already out by quite a bit. But, yeah, it's just like, okay, yes, there was scarcity for a while because of chip shortages and then... Mm-hmm. Of course, scalpers and everything else just make you know adding on top of all that. But I don't know. Like this, to me, there's not really a good a good excuse for this. There just isn't. I mean, <laughs> it's it's been you know not quite three years since, since the two consoles came out, and they're bumping up prices, and they're cheaper to produce now than they were three years ago. And this is outdated hardware as it is. So, I don't know. I just, I don't even know what to think about this stuff anymore. I don't think anyone should be defending this. Especially when you really think through it. And when you recognize that 
this is the first time that Sony has ever done a hardware revision that was more expensive than the original. Now, it'd be one thing if these were prices for like the PS5 Pro, hmm. I'd give them a thumbs up because that's actually a good consumer-friendly price because you're doing something that's more powerful, probably is going to have more storage. I mean, even if it is only just that additional 200 gigabyte, gigabytes or whatever, the simple fact that it would have more power would make it kind of make up for the cost increase. But the fact that basically they're increasing the price by taking out something that is technically not optional. I mean, it is sort of optional, but realistically, you're probably <laughs> have your PlayStation is probably going to degrade a lot faster if you don't have a stand, especially with the way it's because it's not flat on the bottom. Um, you know, if you're if you're laying it down um, horizontally, then you know it's not flat. So that's going to make it so that it's probably going to wobble a bit more, which could cause degradation over time. If you're trying to stand it up vertically without a stand, it's probably going to topple over a bunch. And so it's like you're taking away this thing that's really technically essential. It's really that it makes a big difference having it and doing it as an add-on is stupid. I mean, I'm not sure if this is worse or taking out the charger for the new 3DS was worse. Ooh. I mean, for, for me, it didn't matter because I had chargers since I already had both the original and a 3DS XL. But for people who didn't have either of those, didn't already have a charger or wanted to trade in their 3DS, then it was probably more of an issue because they're spending you know, the extra money. And yeah, granted, that was only like $10, $15 compared to $30 for a stand, which... Honestly, I don't even think that makes sense. I think that's way more, that's way more than it should be. I mean, I, th I think when I when I bought an option a PS a stand for my PS4, which didn't come because it didn't come with one, um, which didn't technically need a stand unless I wanted it up vertically. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I think I spent like maybe twenty dollars for that at the most, and that was something that truly was optional. Like I could keep my. Uh, PS4 horizontal and in fact now that's what I do because I keep it on my desk so that I can have it hooked up to my computer and that way I can just play on my monitor and I don't have to sit at a TV plus then it's easier to like I want to record or stream or whatever and it just looks better on a monitor so there's that play on monitors do that it's, it's, better. it's, better. it's way better um, but yeah I it's just solidified my decision not to buy a PS5. I mean, like, I, I already was... I, I decided a while ago that I wasn't going to be buying PlayStation 5. I've never bought an Xbox, and even though I do like some of their games, um, since, of course, their games have been coming to PC for years now, and which completely defeats the purpose of me buying a a, a, an inferior piece of hardware for when I could play the games on PC day and date. And, you know, PlayStation, I've I've owned every single PlayStation. In fact, I still own every PlayStation but the PlayStation 5. I still have my PS1, my original PS1 that I got in the year 2000 with all the games that I had for it, even though I didn't have a lot of games. I still have my PS2 Slim that I bought in 2006 specifically for Kingdom Hearts and Final Fantasy uh, 10 and, and then eventually uh, Dirge of Cerberus and Final Fantasy 12. Um, 
I still have my PS3 Slim that I bought late in like 2011 for 100 bucks from a friend, which was fantastic that I got it so cheap. Um, even though it didn't come with a controller, but I had one previously that I'd bought for PC before figuring out that it didn't really work well with PC, which got me to buy an Xbox 360 controller that otherwise I was never going to buy because it worked natively with PC. And since then, I've gotten an Xbox <laughs> controller with each generation. Um, and think they're great controllers, but, um, and then of course I still have my, my PSP, which I think I got in 2008 and which also was late, but that was mostly for Final Fantasy games, Crisis Core, Dissidia, uh, Kingdom Hearts, Birth by Sleep, um, to play portable versions of, uh, Final Fantasy 7, 8, and 9, et cetera, et cetera. And I still have my Vita that I bought in 2014. And I love the system. It's still one of my favorite handhelds. But I'm not buying a PS5. At least as of right now. So unless someone gives me one for free, then I will probably never get a PS5. I'm not gonna say never. I'm not gonna actually say never because I don't know that I never will, but I'm not planning to ever buy one. And this type of thing where they're trying to charge more for a hardware revision. Nah, dog. Not gonna happen. Alright. Any other thoughts before we close out for the night? No, no, no. I think we... I think we, I th- think we did a good job covering everything. <laughs> yeah, so this was obviously a longer episode, and mostly just because this was our third attempt at episode one. And I think this time we actually did it. We actually recorded it. And there's no reason to believe that it didn't record properly this time. But God, I hope it recorded properly this time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but um, very last thing we're going to do here. And this is going to be an every show end of the show thing is one thing that we want to recommend and one thing we want to dissuade you from doing. And I'm going to go ahead and let you go, Justin. All right. I am going to do a little, uh, little bit of a, a shake up from uh, previous uh, right. weeks. My one thing that I want people to do, what's something I want to encourage you to do is to back up your, uh, your files. Make sure that you manually save because you cannot trust autosave autosave will fail you uh that has happened to me before and it has been both good and bad good when i had already manually saved and i was just filling around with uh editing something and then uh system uh completely crashed but because I had saved when I uh, did the autosave, the autosave was completely corrupted and I lost a whole lot of layers to an image. But because I had already manually saved, I was perfectly fine. Bad situation, I was writing. Um, crashed, I wanted to recover. There was nothing to recover. So, five pages gone. <laughs> but, so yeah, make sure you manually save and do it uh, periodically because that can save you 
Now, one thing I want to dissuade you from doing is uh, using Wi-Fi if you if you don't have to. If you can just plug directly into your router, use Ethernet. Not only will you have a better and more stable connection, well, not only have a better connection because you will have uh, higher uh, download and upload speeds, you will have a constant. Uh, you should you should have a constant connection, not something that will fluctuate like with Wi-Fi. So definitely do that. All right. Well, my recommendation, I don't think I'm going to change it from the previous weeks, but my recommendation is learn how to cook. And the reason I say that is because there are so many situations where being able to cook will benefit you in real life. And this is something that, uh, especially if you're a single guy who's um, doesn't, doesn't have any prospects, that sort of thing, um, whether you are looking to potentially find a wife and get married, have kids, all that, or you are in a position where you're not looking or you know, that sort of thing. It's still a skill that's really beneficial. And the nice thing about it is that it's, it's a way that you can control what goes into your food. Um, both of my parents died from cancer. They definitely did ate plenty of, um, fake foods. And I'm not even just necessarily talking about junk food. I'm talking about, you know, using things like, like margarine and vegetable oil and, um, you know, a lot of the prefab processed foods and whether or not that actually contributed, it's hard to say, you know, God only knows exactly what it was that ultimately got him to that point. But something that I've been trying to commit myself to doing is to making sure that I use the best ingredients I can as much as possible. And it's not always easy. In fact, it's difficult a lot of the times, um, to find something that's that doesn't have the garbage fake genetically modified processed ingredients in it but the nice thing is is that when you start to learn how to cook for yourself you can control that a lot more easily than you can if you don't because if you're doing always the prepackaged processed food fast food etc you're you're just you're guaranteed to get junk and some some places are going to be better than others but you're still going to get a lot of junk so learn how to cook it's also a great way to just develop a skill. I mean, it's a skill that can become a passion like it has for me. I love to cook. And, you know, all, all the time I put into it over the years, it's the one thing that I'm legitimately good at. And um, I, I take great joy out of it. My dissuasion. I'm, I think I'm going to lay off the fanboys this week. I ranted a lot about... <laughs> Uh, not being a fanboy the past couple weeks. And I will very briefly kind of cheat and say, don't be a fanboy. Even though that's <laughs> not really my dissuasion for this week. Um, but actually, you know what? Uh-oh. I mean, I don't think I'm going to rant like I have the past couple weeks about about what it is being a fanboy, but... I'm not sure actually I have another dissuasion at the moment. So, yeah, I'm just going to say, don't be a fanboy. <laughs> um, it doesn't matter what you're a fanboy of. Now, I, I personally think that of the fanboys that there are out there, and 
I, I, I should back up real quick and say, being a fan of something is not the same as being a fanboy. You can be a fan of PlayStation, you can be a fan of Nintendo, you can be a fan of Xbox, you can enjoy their games, you can even prefer their games. But the second that you start defending their bad decisions, their anti-consumer practices, the second that you start bragging on other people who are fans of games because you don't particularly like that plastic box or you don't like that particular game or you don't think you'll like it because it's on another plastic box. The second you start thinking about the fact that, oh, this game is not on my particular plastic box, therefore it sucks, that's being a fanboy. Now, I personally, I love Nintendo games. Not all of them. There's plenty of them that I don't really care for. A lot of them I'm just not interested in playing, but there's some great stuff on there. And I am a recovering fanboy because I very much was on the Nintendo Defense Squad for many years. And it's only been more recently that I've backed off of that and realized that that was just stupid because Nintendo's got plenty of problems, but I can still enjoy their games without being a fanboy. And I love a lot of PlayStation games. I, I got into most of the franchises not really until PS3, because even though I had a PS1 and a PS2 and a PSP and even uh, Vita, I did really, I mean, it took me a while to start getting into the PlayStation franchises. So PlayStation was more Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts for me than anything else, um, and just RPGs in general. But I find that PlayStation makes a lot of great games, especially during the PS3 and PS4 generations. Um, but I'm not a fanboy of them. I think I see a lot of problems. In fact, I think that they're in some ways one of the worst uh, publishers in terms of just how they treat their customers and that sort of thing. And I think that probably if... Uh, I mean, they're not nearly as bad as the fanboys. The fanboys are the real problem, though, because they just are constantly defending their plastic box. They're they're constantly ragging on people who like Xbox and Xbox games, and they're ragging on Xbox games that they've never played, never will play, just because they're not on PlayStation. It's as simple as that. Same people who were bragging about the possibility of Starfield becoming a PlayStation exclusive the second that they found out that it was going to be an Xbox exclusive, decided that they hated it. And they've been relentless ever since. And then there's the Nintendo fanboy. Who will absolutely defend the Switch and say it's the greatest gift ever to grace mankind. Because it it's made by Nintendo. And because it has Nintendo games on it. And as much as I love the Switch, I still play it all the time. It is a weak piece of hardware. It is a very weak piece of hardware. And I guarantee you that the Switch 2 is going to be weak too. It's going to still probably be fun. And they're still going to make some great games. But let's be real. Third party ports are often garbage on there. You know, I've suffered through some of them. Including uh, games like Ghost Runner, which is... I absolutely love that game, and the first time I played through it was on Switch. But that game looked awful on there. It ran pretty terribly, especially at certain points when it got down to like single frames per second. I don't know if it was actually that low, but it was really bad at, at times. 
and I suffered through it, and I made it through, and then I played it on PC, and I saw the light. <laughs> <laughs> Praise the Lord, I saw the light. <laughs> um, or you know, like a what was it? Uh, the Outer Outer Worlds on on the Switch. Wow, that game looks terrible. It looks so terrible, and I suffered through it for a while because it, I I got the game for twenty bucks, but it was on steep discount. Um, but it just becomes a blurry mess, and and the performance tanks to the point where it's just it stopped being playable, and I had to just give up on it. And then I got it on PC, and once again, so much better. PC fanboys can be a problem too, because you you can get so caught up in frame rates and visuals and the fact that obviously your hardware is superior i mean that, that's a given it's, it's like obvious of course the pc is superior in terms of hardware and capabilities and everything else but then you fail to acknowledge that there can be good games on consoles consoles can have good games and there's nothing wrong with that so to sum it all up don't be a fanboy just enjoy video games, no matter what platform they're on. Try different things. You don't have to buy consoles if you're a PC guy. You don't have to buy PC if you're a console guy. Enjoy what you enjoy, and let everybody else enjoy what they enjoy. Please, don't be a fanboy. If I had a mic, I'd drop it right <laughs> <laughs> Alright. So that's all of it. Uh, any, anything else right before we end now? Um, I just want to say that I, I've enjoyed every week just hearing this, and I'm glad you kept that dissuasion because I would. And also, I just wish I had some popcorn because the, listening to you, it's just been very entertaining. <laughs> Maybe we'll just do like uh, a Michael Jackson popcorn gif at the end there, <laughs> or, or you know, like eating the popcorn in the thriller video. All right, so that's all we got for this. Uh, Episode 1, uh, Part 3, as we close out, tell everybody where we can find you. Alright, uh, you can find me at the channel I am Zericon. that is I-A-M-X-E-R-A-C-O-N, and because uh, YouTube has the at feature now, like social, other social media like Twitter, it's just at I am Zericon. All right, and you can find me um, youtube.com slash at the frozen gamer 87 uh, I do not put out as much content as I am Zericon here I recommend you check out his channel because even though he's not a huge channel I mean he's bigger than me but more because he puts out re semi-regular content um, I do not anymore and there are times where I'll put out more content than others but at least right now, it's not looking like that's going to happen a whole lot. I just don't have the time for it. But that's part of why we're here. Talk about video games with a cool guy. Check out his stuff. He makes great content. Well worth listening to, watching, whatever. And sometimes you'll see games in his gameplay videos that are actually... will get you interested in trying out something new. So that's another plus. Or attempt three. I don't know what you want to call it. <laughs> Third time's a charm. Episode one is complete. The Orange Box podcast. Check us out in the following weeks. Check out I Am Zericon. 
Uh, you can check me out if you really want to, even though my content is pretty minimal. Uh, other than my 24-hour stream that's coming up for Stack yeah. Up, Raising Money, October 27th. But until next time, Orange Box Podcast. I don't know how to actually close out this podcast, so we're just going to say that. Bye-bye. Wait. <laughs>